Oh, Craig, cheers for coming down. Good to have you on the podcast. Indeed. What's been happening? Sounds like you've been pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, that's one word for it. Hectic? Uh, yeah, hectic's probably one way of looking at it, but exciting. I mean, just the amount of people that you, you come in contact to try to put something together like this. It's, uh, I get off on that. I mean, just the conversations, the learnings. Just, it just never ends. Yeah, nice. So you're putting together South Start again this year, sort of a, a revamped version. Mm-hmm. Um, reimagine. Like what, what kind of conversations are you having? Who are you talking to out there? That's a good question. I mean, obviously, there's the, you know, the curation aspect of trying to bring in just some incredible people with interesting stories to tell. But it's also just, you know, through the local community. And a big part of, I think, what South Start uh, should be about is, is definitely um, through the connection of community, making sure that we have sort of a diverse range of people. So it's, it's not necessarily just founders, but I think it's equally important to get some interesting academics that are playing with crazy technologies and R&D and yep. bring in some corporates. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are playing with these deep technologies where they can, uh, they can benefit from being from this and the community can benefit from those voices as a part of it. So, I mean, the number of copies I've had in the last couple of <laughs> months uh, has been insane because, I mean, it's one of those towns where it's a lot of it's just, you know, meeting people face-to-face and doing this kind of thing nonstop. So I don't get as much time as I like to kind of catch up with the emails and do the work that has to get done. Yeah. A lot of it is a very personable sort of approach, but I enjoy that. And it's those conversations and then, hey, you need to meet this person. And then they call that person. And all of a sudden, there's a couple of people coming down and it's just a very organic sort of approach to pulling this together, which uh, which I think has been fascinating. And we, I think we spoke about it last time we chatted, but there's, there's often stuff just sort of hidden beneath the surface. So in, much. In Adelaide, especially. So much stuff. Yeah. It's almost... Um, I don't think anyone's, or not anyone, very few people probably spend as much time as I'm doing trying to unearth and lift over all the rocks and find where all the cool kids are hanging out. Yeah. But it's through that process you start realizing some of the interesting developments, the technologies, the things that have been happening in the state that um, this, they, don't, they don't see the light of day often because people are quite happy just hunkering down. If you're doing stuff here, you're doing stuff. You're not really getting out talking about it. And when you do do stuff, I've certainly learned that people are not the first to bang their chest about the great things that they're doing. Um, for a whole bunch of reasons, so it's, it's been interesting to pull that out of people. And do you think that's part of it? That sort of, you know, I was talking to somebody else from overseas, but the, the tall poppy syndrome, kind of, you know, just just keeping to yourself and kind of, you know, getting stuff done as opposed to getting out there and sort of screaming about it. I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I've been here, you know, I mean, I guess still under a year, but a short time, and I think there's a, a bit of a combination of not just, I guess, what's referred to as tall poppy syndrome, but there's also a bit of an imposter syndrome. I think okay. for the people that are coming up and and. Uh, you know, coming out of America and specifically New York where just people, there's no problem boasting, you know. Yeah. And part of that's how you get through the door sometimes. And it's the exact sort of opposite approach here, um, which I can understand and appreciate. But it's also really important to let people know what you're doing. The idea of keeping it to yourself is not going to find you partners and investment. I mean, you need to get out there and, and do that. So I think... Uh, there's a bit of a ways to go on that, but I've had fun unearthing a lot of the interesting stuff going on in the state. I think part of it's probably an education piece as well, just letting people know that it's okay to get out there and you know, be proud of what you know, things you're creating and, and things you're doing and, and not happen to feel that sort of imposter syndrome. Well, I mean, I think it's a matter of, I think there could be some more room for celebration of both failure and success yeah. here. I think it's just part of the process. I mean, if, if we can look at failure as just a part of learning and not necessarily, I mean, I think even from an investment perspective, I mean, I'm spending a lot of time trying to sort of drum up what the investment community could be here because there's a lot of, certainly there's a lot of money hiding in the hills, if you will. Yeah, yeah. But their, their understanding of startup culture and startup investment is very different. So there's a very a big timidness, I think, about, you know, talking about investments for fear, of, should that fail as majority of them will, yeah. then how does that look with my peers? And I think 
that sort of thinking has to go away, not just on the startup side, but also in the investment community so they understand, you know, what the process looks like. Yeah, that's really interesting because, I mean, our, our experience, and obviously, you know, we've developed a few apps and been involved from that level and seen sort of founders really struggle in the investment community, especially. Um, just, you know, there's a lot of, sort of conservatism out there and people, you know, not wanting to take those plunge, even with, you know, relatively small amounts, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it, I think it, it does need to change in some regard. Well, I mean, I think there's probably been a lot of like investment in, in a nephew or some friends, a f- friend of family and, yeah, yeah. and seeing the, the experiment, the shed blow up and thinking that that's what a startup's all about. And, and certainly it is. But I think there's an education process about uh, having people understand, you know, the idea of portfolio investment and thinking about, yeah. you know, there's going to be 30 things that we invest in and 25 are going to tank and a couple might scrape by and you may have a couple of winners. But until you play that kind of game, and it's funny because it's, it's Australia is certainly a betting culture. I mean, this, 100%, yeah. so it's That's funny right. how people have no problem just throwing money on wild bets. <laughs> but when it comes to doing it, if it's a company with a real technology that has a chance, if it can be nurtured, uh, that thinking doesn't cross over. So I find that really interesting, the fact that there's a definitely a predominant culture for betting, but betting on startups and businesses, it hasn't really crossed over yet. Yeah. It sounds like there's a good idea in there somewhere, trying to uh, <laughs> create a uh, a betting app for uh, small business startups. I, I, I just, it, I think there needs to be more foundation. I think there's certain people have been doing a good job the last couple of years, sort of building the you know the framework that that wasn't here before around educating you know young founders or founders about what's available, how you actually go through that process, how you have the conversations, you know who's out there to even talk to. I think you often feel like you are kind of off in the wilderness a little bit. Um, you know, without sort of networks and peer groups you go and have those conversations with. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think one of the things I, I hearken to a lot is is the idea of, I feel like there needs to be a real Startups Anonymous. Yeah. This, this place where, I think we talked about this earlier, where uh, founders can get together and share a pint, bend elbows, and talk about, you know, the challenges they're going through because certainly families get tired of those conversations really quickly. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you have to have that mate you can go out with and, and share the same story of a partner that wants you to hang up the gloves and say it's over and you're not about to do that because you see the bigger vision. But if you don't have that kind of support from a peer perspective, it can get really tough. And I think one of the things that's going to start rearing its head around the corner, um, being a very sort of nascent kind of startup community compared to some of the ones that I've been privy to, is, is just the mental health element. Because it's, it's a real, real thing. I mean, it's, it's challenging to kind of do the grind and fight uphill. And, and it is, it's a big uh, uphill fight here because there isn't access to capital the way it is in even some of the other states, certainly not in other parts of the world. So mm. the challenge can be a lot more difficult and if there's not a support mechanism there and, and people that you can rely on that are going through it, it's a struggle. And, you know, you don't want to see people get too broken because it, 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 it will reflect on the community. And it's interesting touching on, on families and support networks. Like I think often a lot of people, you know, even within close friends and families don't really understand, you know, the, the vision. And sure, they understand it maybe on a surface level, but uh, I've seen that happen where people are just grinding, grinding, grinding for a long time. And people just say, just give up. Like, what are you doing? Just give up. But they don't want to. You know, they, they, they see that vision and they know that it's there but maybe just don't have that support network to No, and I think I think even the, the people that say give up, give up, I think there's also a lot of people that will give that feedback and input before people even start. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> why would you bother? I mean, it's just not a part of the culture yet. I mean, it's certainly happening. I mean, I don't want to discredit the amazing no, people course. that are doing stuff, but certainly there's a generation of people that come from a small business mindset, not a startup mindset, which is completely different, yeah. which can't comprehend why would you take all these risks when everything is great here. And that's the other thing. I mean, this is an amazing place 
but it breeds complacency. And so when you're talking to people that are, you know, not in touch with the startup community or from an older generation, it's going to be hard for them to comprehend what scaling up globally uh, means when they're not used to that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it can happen, you know, that it's even a reality. I think, I think people often overlook that, that it, you know, that you, you can do it from Adelaide. It's a, it's just a great breeding ground that, you know, can be a, a perfect platform. There's amazing people doing stuff. And I think, uh, I mean, one of the things with the, with the event in particular is, is wanting to shine a light on, on a lot of the different people in a lot of different industries that are building global businesses right here. Um, a lot of people think that you can't do that. But if you look around and you're willing to um, take a good look, there's just incredible things that are happening here. And I, I think it's important that we shine a light on that, that we give a bit of a platform to have those stories told because uh, a lot of these people could have left and gone yeah, elsewhere and probably right. a lot of people fed, said they probably should have done that but they didn't and they're doing amazing international things from here so i think that has to be applauded and and those stories have to be shared so that gives some sense of confidence to the next generation of young leaders and future founders to say hey this is an amazing place and we can do it because you know you know in the short time i've been here I, i've certainly slowed down a little bit from the new york grind i was in but even when i went to sydney after a few months here, I was like, whew, you could just feel the energy in yeah. Sydney. And it reminded me of, you know, New York, but in a different way where it was like, man, this is not a place I'd necessarily want to be after mm. being very comfortable here. And I see the opportunity really. Why don't uh, there be a, a push to see more people from the eastern states and, and from a place like Sydney start coming to a place like this? I mean, you could, you could get two of your mates and, and rent a house for a year for peanuts compared to what yeah, is out there, right. live in comfort and just hunker down and just build your vision um, I see that as a real opportunity and maybe a way to position some of the opportunities here to the people that are struggling in, in other parts of the country to, to come here and, and build their stuff. Because if you can build a business here and you get acclimated to what's going on, maybe why would you want to leave? Maybe you'd help build the ecosystem here and pour more back into it. Yeah, that's right. And I think once there's more of those success stories and, and, and those people start investing back locally as well and sort of you know breeding those good stories about what's happening. It'll be interesting to see, I think, you know, as you know, housing prices just get astronomical in Melbourne and Sydney, you know, what that does to push people sort of, you know, down to Adelaide. And that's happening in Brisbane, I think, at the moment already. Well, I've had a lot of conversations with, with, with people working in the, in the community in Brisbane. And I think there's a lot of parallels between what's happening here yeah. in, in South Australia and Brisbane. I mean, it's, it's sort of the, the second tier shelf in a lot of people's minds so that the, the cities that are doing things and the states are sort of, sort of leading. But there's an opportunity in that, I think, to be doing a lot more collaboration across the country and working with those ecosystems. I mean, it, it happens, surely, but I, I, from an outsider perspective, I see an opportunity to really leverage a lot of the, the knowledge and the skills and the collaboration that can happen across these uh, different ecosystems and sharing that knowledge so that everyone can kind of grow together and, and lean on each other. I think that's a huge opportunity because really, when you look at the overall placement of where Australia is in the world, in the Western world, and it's it's... It's not doing as it's not really punching its way. People talk about it punching its way, but when you yeah. really look at the numbers, I mean, uh, Cheryl George from Data Sixty One did a talk at, at Lot Fourteen last month, and you know the, the numbers are I wouldn't say depressing, but when you look at them, they're they're on the decline compared to what's happening in places like Berlin or Israel or certainly in, in North America. Yeah. And so when you look at it, it, it makes you think you know something has to happen soon. I think part of that is is the collective coming together of, of the different states and on a country national level to to really buck up and, and take advantage of the opportunity, which is going to be maybe ten minutes, ten years out. But I mean the APAC stuff. I mean I still hear a lot of people 
talk about, you know, oh, U.S., U.S., and Europe. And I'm like, that's great. Like, you can point to Silicon Valley, but really the opportunity is in the biggest growing, you know, market in the world, which is, you know, APAC and, and certainly yeah. China. So yeah. uh, I think more effort, you know, looking at how we can partner and collaborate there would be a really smart move and, and sort of cast off the ideas that, you know, U.S. thinking is somehow going to be... States. But I think, I think looking at it from, okay, so first regionally, like why are we not banning, or even going sort of more uh, micro than that, you know, even in SA, you still find these kind of little islands of, you know, everybody clinging to their own thing and there's a lack of community, I think. So building that, but then, yeah, why not build, you know, nationally and then geographically, you know, we've got Indonesia above us that has a, an amazing um, tech scene. They're doing some really cool yep. stuff, um, you know, and that's sort of seen a million miles away for a lot of people. Um, whereas, you know, there's, there's communities there that we could be interacting with and engaging with and doing some cool stuff with. For sure. I, th- I think I think it's happening. I think, again, in, in some small way with what we're trying to do with, with South Start this year is certainly try to leverage, you know, we've got, you know, uh, a, a decent sized delegation from Indonesia coming over. Yeah, I mean, cool. There's, you know, it's it's that that influx of, of people and sharing of common visions. And, and you know, the technology set is, is different here. So I think that's where there's a real opportunity. But Certainly, it's, it's all about people and connecting. And one of the things that I found interesting is that there's been a real lack of international thinking when, you know, we have the Internet and people's idea of expansion largely doesn't get past, you know, Australia often in terms of the thinking. And yeah. I keep thinking it's the same number of digits to call London as it is, you know, Sydney more or less. And uh, it's just been interesting because, I mean, Canada is so similar where I grew up to Australia in, in many ways, except for the, <laughs> the opposite weather. Uh, but, you know, big, huge landmass, yeah. uh, small population. But somehow, you know, and I always think about, you know, when I started my first company there, I never thought to get a .ca domain. Okay, oh, but just the first, straight for the .com. Yeah, yeah. But the first thing people hear generally is got a .com, .au. Yeah. And not that it's a bad thing, but instantly my mind was .com is the game. Yeah. Let's play that game. And as soon as you put that .au or .ca, it's kind of like, Mm, I'm playing regionalized. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you're broadcasting that, and you're, that, that's how you're announcing yourself. So I feel like such a simple thing as just lopping off that last mm. extension kind of positions you as uh, an international company in, in other people's minds, if not even on your own. Yeah, and there's no reason. I mean, there's you know, there's nothing that localized now that can't be at least positioning themselves in that position anyway. Yeah, for sure. What did you like? When did you first come to Australia? Uh, well, I, I visited, you know, years and years ago, okay. you know, very briefly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we landed here, I guess it was, you know, well, actually the first, the first time I guess I got out into the scene was at the Envies last year. Yeah. That was my first kind of like foray into what was happening with the, the startup world. So what was your vision? I mean, even as a kid growing up, because like, I, I feel like the people's vision, I mean, in Canada, Australia are kind of positioned similarly, I suppose, but the vision that especially Europeans have of Australia is kind of in stark contrast to really i mean obviously you know australians are chilled out and there's there's a good sort of general culture but sort of beneath the surface i think they sort of find it's you know it's it's sort of mired in a lot of deeper conservatism and you know just old, old world traditions that you don't appreciate when you're looking looking over you know across from you think well it's gonna be a progressive country you know so did you have that kind of vision of it or you know it's funny i mean outside of you know my partner being from Australia mm. and, and having to, you know, hear the stories of explaining Adelaide's a place near Melbourne and, <laughs> and that kind of thing. I, you know, actually never really, um, I never really thought much about Australia. I didn't have a lot of contact in, yeah. in Canada with it. So, you know, besides growing up in the eighties and Crocodile Dundee and, and the stuff that gets, you know, stereotyped, yeah. um, didn't have an understanding for the mindset, uh, the conservatism, you know, the politics. It was just something that it doesn't reach, it doesn't, a lot of Australian news doesn't really reach outside of the borders. Yeah, that's the, right. the same way, I mean, you know, I look at, you know, someone like the advertiser and I think, 
when I do flip through it, I'm like, where's the world news? Yeah. You know, unless, you know, Kanye sees Trump or something, you know, happens, uh, there's not a lot of that. So I wonder, cause I, I see that paper around a lot mm. and nothing against the paper, obviously, but I, I think when you're here and you're not getting a lot of global news or even the television, it doesn't really cover it to a huge extent. And yeah. that's fine that it doesn't, but it also, it's hard to put yourself in context of what's going on internationally or how you position yourself or how should you be thinking to compete uh, globally. It's harder to think about those things if you're not really abreast of what's going on. So I think that's yeah. probably the inputs are probably part of the solution to how to improve the outputs. Yeah. And I think obviously that's been changing in the last you know, 10, 15 years with this sort of you know, dissolution of, you know, uh, when I was a kid, that was, you know, three, chan- t- three TV stations and the advertiser. And that really formed a lot of people's worldviews, you know, much more so than I think it does now. I think if you look at, you know, the generations coming up now, that that's not, it's not so much the case. Right. But, um, yeah, it's just interesting. I think that uh, there's there's lots more that we could be doing as, as a nation to position ourselves as, you know, that we can do cool things and that, you know, we're a young nation. We're still kind of forming, much like Canada, forming sort of a, you know, Listen, Wi-Fi came from here. Yeah. Let's just start there. Yeah, and, 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 cool. and, and, yeah. and still, when I talk to people about uh, that, I mean, a lot of people here don't even know that. I mean, most people in the world probably don't know where it came from. But, yeah. but that's something where that should be kind of like, hey, you know, like everyone is connecting wirelessly largely as a result of, you know, the advancements here. Yeah, exactly. One of the things you said before I think is interesting is um, not just founders, but innovation, like, you know, within established industry too, like actually getting people just excited and, and thinking about what can be done in, you know, whatever traditional um, industries or actually, you know, innovating internally as opposed to having to go out and sort of do something on your own. Well, I think even when you know, we talk about the community, I mean, th- there certainly is passionate community. I mean, I, I do find it to be somewhat fragmented, but inside of that fragmentation is also what uh, I, I see missing the most is the the cross-pollination and the different types of thinking that go into uh, meeting up so that there's just, A, there's not a lot of kind of MBA-type people that I've met. They're out there, but I, you don't see them very often. Yeah. But more importantly, they're not a part of the conversation with someone who's you know a deep engineer or someone that's working on technology because that's, I mean, if you look at all kind of the great companies or a lot of them, there's usually your Lennon-McCartney kind of combination where there's someone that had the technical skills, you had your was and you had your jobs, right? You had someone that could put the marketing spin on that thing that's for hobbyists, uh-uh, this is going to be like what's going to change people's minds and, and create new tools for the future. Mm. So I think the more that we can kind of bring in those disparate sort of elements and different voices and perspectives into looking at opportunity, you're going to have more solutions and more interesting things to pursue. Yeah, that cross-pollination. And I think it, it is getting different people in, in, in the room and, and starting those conversations. Totally. You need artists in there. I mean, mm. you, need, you, need, you need a, a real wide mix. It's, 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 um, it's like curating a, a gigantic supper party. I mean, you have to, you know, by doing that, you have amazing conversations. Because if you keep having the same conversations with the same people thinking the same thing, how are you ever going to break out of anything? You're just, you're just not. So we have to kind of find ways to um, integrate and, and put more... Um, contrarian perspectives different views i mean these are important things to grow and and to to discuss and i think if we can find ways to bring in these different elements into events and to the ecosystem into the community i think more and more we'll find more interesting ideas coming up more interesting companies forming technologies it's just expanding that kind of that that you know the, the conscience of everybody that's there, right? It's a sort of wow, this is possible. Or I didn't, I hadn't thought of something like this before, which sparks ideas. Yeah, because I mean, I think you know, obviously, this is a state that it's steeped in defense. Yeah. So you have a, a lot of technology that you know, they've got a lot of people with the defense blinders on, because mm-hmm. certainly that's a career path. Certainly, it, there's a lot of focus and, and drive to do that. And same with the academic stuff. 
but it's it's someone that comes in and says that thing you're working on did you know you could do this with it yeah like, well no i never thought about that but all of a sudden someone's head can be turned right around and all of a sudden they're, they're seeing a new possibility for years and years of training and i think uh, whether they, they go off and embark on that or not, the idea that, that those ideas are at least discussed, or maybe someone else will pick up that idea and run with it. Yeah. I think I think more of that is, is a healthy thing. And then know? it's a possibility. Too, oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Because we say, I mean, it, it's hard hiring in the state now because you just have everybody going out to the you know defense contracts and, and, and university contracts, you know, that just take all the, you know, all the developers out of grad school, essentially. And then, you know, when do they come back out and what, what's happening over there? So it's, be interesting to sort of breed some of that you know excitement around great there's some there's some opportunities to be had to get out and do some cool stuff with the skills that you have and i think you know um one of the things i think that's amazing about what's happening here in, in adelaide in particular is, is the future proofing that's going on a lot of work has been put into place to build infrastructure yeah. that can allow for what truly a smart city can be and I, i'd love to see more conversations around the idea of how do we build um you know this is a uh as a canvas or as an API for people to start building off because the opportunity is very few co- countries ha- or cities have the opportunity to be able to build um, prototypes or what the future city could look like, mm. but that's in place here. So that you could set examples on how to do that. And I think that's one of those things that um, I think I lost my train of thought, but that's one of those things I think is a huge opportunity here, but with that future proofing of trying to build um the different technologies, you know, when you have so much academic stuff, people got to start thinking about the future with regards to the fact that realistically, there's no way that universities as they're going are going to be around in 20 years. Like that is just a million percent going to happen. I Mm -hmm. mean, uh, I would bet, you know, everything on that. But at the same time, if that's going to be going away, then we have to figure out new ways to solve uh, for these situations and building new jobs. I mean, especially in a place like this where a lot of the jobs, a lot of administration jobs, government jobs, or a lot of desktop uh, stuff that's going to be taken away by the very same technologies that are strong here, like artificial intelligence. Yeah. So the irony is that some of the, the greatest skills here are going to displace a big part of the jobs here. So the sooner that everyone can start thinking about the mindset and the, and the kids and the people growing up of that we have to create our own jobs and create our own opportunities and that is the wave of the future yeah. i think the sooner that that happens the better we're prepared because in an aging state like this uh, you really run the risk of it's either going to be something that booms and we're going to see an explosion the way that maybe austin saw the explosion yeah. you know like t- 15 20 years ago or i mean it's also realistically possible this is going to be a ghost town uh, if people leave check. and people don't find a way to replace what's going on, it's going to be really hard to bring people in. It's going to be an uphill battle. So I feel like it's an important time and everything's kind of been teed up for a real big opportunity. It's just a matter of making sure everyone kind of drives towards, you know, seeing it grow. I think that needs to be interesting talking about Brisbane. Like I feel that I don't know how, how deep it goes, but there has been, I suppose, more encouragement from state government up there. Like it, it, you, you find even on a, on a local level here, there's pushbacks for, you know, small businesses that want to do something cool. There's a restaurant just down by me that's trying to open up and, you know, there's a lot of pushback around you know, liquor licensing and all these kind of things that, you know, a small, interesting business that's going to bring people to the area and create like a little mm-hmm. vibrant community where people can get together instead of just finding barriers upon barriers. And it's, you know, it's just bureaucracy, right? It doesn't, and it, it's not serving any purpose. It's just, you know, the computer says no or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the role of government is an interesting one. And, and there's a lot of infrastructure that's important to get in place. But but certainly, and I think, you know, I, I came at a really interesting time where, you know, 16 years of one government is, yeah. is being replaced by another. So everyone's trying to figure out what that change is. And, and certainly I have very little input to, to what that may mean. But mm. it was definitely certainly interesting 
you know, with the, the opportunity I had to do a, a lot of mentoring with, with, with companies and people, you know, going through the tech NSA program. And when all of a sudden the transition happened, there was like the freeze on everything. And I had a lot of people saying, so like, hey, do you know, like, when are they going to, like, when are they going to unlock stuff and what's going on? And, and to me, it just really brought home the sense that there's a real zero sum thinking here yeah, okay. that we're all going for this application. So I'm building my business by being good at filling out grants or applications, not getting customers, learning how to tell my story, how to raise money from a rich uncle. I mean, these are the things that everywhere else people are doing to build their businesses. And, and here there's a bit, I think, too much of a reliance on getting grants now. Yeah. A lot of great things and a lot of great companies have been formed and are doing amazing things as a result of that. So not to discredit it, but the mindset, it's the mindset that has to change the most, I think, here. And, and that zero-sum thinking is just negative. We need real growth thinking and, and knowing that you can be self-reliant to, to build and grow and, and get your own funds. Hmm. And I don't know if it's just because there hasn't been, I suppose, the either the access to or the you know the availability of you know people to talk to that that are investing so people go well this this must be the only way i can do it is going through that kind of grant scenario but i mean for me i see that obviously it has its place but it it's also limiting as well i think you know just just looking to the government whoever it might be just you know for grant funding like that's going to put limits on where you can go with whatever it is you're building well, and especially if there's only so many funds, you know, to yeah. be able to distribute and there's only so many startups and that's how you're going for it. Um, but I think we're seeing a change in that and, and it'd be interesting to see, you know, what this new government decides to do with regards to how it'll replace or support and do that. But certainly I think, and even even to the, I guess, the deeper core of that is, is one of the things I feel, again, sort of with an outside perspective is the art of the storytelling, the narrative of how to tell a story that can convince a customer or convince a potential investor. This is an art that's not being taught a lot. Mm. I'm not sure where the training is, if it is there, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement because that's the pitch, right? And and you gotta be really good at, at, at winnowing that down to be able to, to tell your story. Um, and I think that's one of the things I'd love to see more and more because a lot of people that I've seen, I go through the pitches, it's just, it's just, there's, there's no human element, right? And, yeah. and ultimately, this is a human endeavor where you need to convince other humans why you're, you as a human are doing this thing. And a lot of people get caught into, yeah, just the process that doesn't uh, touch upon that, that aspect. Interesting. I mean, I think the same thing applies to, you know, if we're pitching for business, a lot mm-hmm. of it is just relationships, right? You can form a great relationship with somebody and, you know, you, you might come ahead against someone that's more qualified or whatever, has better tech or... Yeah. Um, relationships that go a long way and that's bad storytelling isn't it for sure and i think you see a lot of people that will go to the features before the benefits and the benefits are the human aspect so i i think that's an important thing and but i mean that's the exciting part the exciting part is that there's a new story to be told i mean the state's going through a transition there's gonna be a lot of exciting things happening with you know obviously lot 14 which is a must uh, a much needed uh, element i mean that's I think when you look at a state where it's it's the, the density's not there, yeah. and and, and density is really important to have those kind of creative collisions and bouncing into people. And here, as I know, because I'm having all these coffees, I'm going to go across town <laughs> meeting people. It's a it's a lot of effort. Um, I mean, certainly, there's some spots you can see people, but if we create an environment where you've got corporates, you've got startups, you've got service providers, you've got creatives, all in a short sort of uh, sort of footprint a small footprint you have the opportunity to meet new people to have these discussions and it accelerates everything if i can meet 13 random people throughout a day just from yeah. waiting in the coffee line or having a pint after work or moving from one building to the next i'm gonna have more conversations more opportunities whereas before 
you know, you've got 35 or whatever it is, you know, co-working spaces. It's great you have them, but they're all siloed off, so you have a small pool of people. Yeah. And most of them don't have... They're all, they're all quite small as well at the end of the day, so... And even this one, I mean, other ones, I mean, when I would start circling uh, and checking them all out when I first got here, none of them really had, like, where were the common spaces? Yeah. Because most places that are large uh, workspaces and other, even in Sydney and, and certainly places I've been to, there's always those big social spaces where, like, you have the after uh, after work drinks and you have kind of some kind of events. And a lot of places here don't cater to that. They're like, well, do we have a kitchen. And I'm like, yeah, a kitchen is not a social space. I mean, it is at, at parties and stuff. That's a place you congregate. But yeah. it's not enough to really get people to connect. And I find a lot of people walk past each other and don't even know the same people in, in the building that they're in, which is bizarre. And I think part of that is curating it with like interior design and also activation. You know, you need to start building that Absolutely. community as well. And I think uh, like w- when we came here, they did a, uh, Adam and Millie did a really good job of building a community um, initially. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, well, and that's what we liked. We were looking at Tonsley for a long time. Um, and going through bloody negotiations with colliers to try and get a space there. I don't know how much time you spend out at Tonsley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, and it's a fascinating space. Mm, it is. Um, cool space. It's, But it's got this weird challenge where it's it's so far removed from the rest of what's going on right now. Yeah. But it's like such a cool space. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about it because I'm going there tomorrow and it's very frequently, or it's not frequent that I get out there. Yeah. Uh, when I do, I'm always seeing just a cool kind of thing going on. Uh, yeah, it's. But I think it is that dis- you know. But it, I mean, if you put, if you actually put like a high speed trail, you know, better transport. You know, th- I think there's there's issues around you know having that space. It is lot fourteen is interesting because it's I mean it's central, right? Right. Um, I've got a mate that's just moved into one of the old buildings that um at the uni is sort of part of it. But it, it's interesting. It looks it looks cool. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of common common spaces being built into it, and I think you know through the walkthroughs I've had, that's the most exciting part because that's where it's going to happen. I mean, if you can build it like a Googleplex where there's just, it's just a kind of a free reign. You can kind of work anywhere and there's lots of pockets to do stuff. I think that becomes an interesting environment again, just to meet random people because you need, you need new companies to form. You need new ideas to be considered yeah. and, and it happens in an environment like that. I mean, yeah. I don't know enough about Tonsi, whether there's a lot of that because there's a lot of bigger companies and places that are kind of just doing their own thing there. I, I think, don't, I think that's the case. And I think they've, you know, they've brought in, uh, uh, what's the engineering company, uh, Anyway, the big, bigger companies, but they, they're insular, right? And they, they yeah. probably don't have that outward look with it. Whereas we would want to go and sort of, you know, walk around and explore the, you know, the spaces. But I, I got the feeling that it was a bit sort of, yeah, there was islands within the center. Right. And, and, and again, I, I'm not familiar with what goes on there from a programming perspective. But yeah. when you do have a, a, a place like that, it's really important to have a lot of curated programming and, and, and having events and, and doing things that keep people there after hours to meet new people. And certainly that's going to be a key to the success of Lot 14 is, is how are they going to curate and make sure that there's ways for people to connect and having uh, interesting uh, uh, conversations, uh, bringing speakers in, having events, finding education. Yeah. I mean, all these things are going to be really, really key to that place thriving, I think. Yeah, 100%. I think you just need to spark the conversations and then they can flow off on their own afterwards, but it's just putting the, the infrastructure in place to make that happen initially. Mm-hmm. How did you get into the startup world initially? Like, t- tell me a bit about Loop Labs. Was that, was that the start or was that the well, I mean, before yeah, that? I mean, I guess it was to, to me. I mean, I was, uh, I mean I, as a kid, I was BBSing in the 80s and yep. fell in love with just the idea of just being able to connect with people mm. outside of your home uh, a 300 baud modem but to me that was just incredible at that to have that opportunity at that age and it was another almost 10 years before the web came a- around how, uh, how interesting was we, we used to did the same thing and i had mates that we'd you know log on to bbs's with you know 2.4k whatever it was but we'd like call each other and like now we're logging on and go through this process of trying to get it set up but it just felt 
I don't know, it felt different, you know, that connection through the through the computer somehow, right? Like it just, there's yeah. something about it. Oh, I mean, it's, I mean, I remember I was running a, a BBS in my bedroom. Mm. I guess I was probably maybe 10 years old and had tape over all the lights because there'd be noise and, and my parents would sneak <laughs> in. I had to make sure they, they, they could turn the monitor off quick and, and do that. But, you know, that was a single phone line. So you would yeah. have one person logging at a time to my computer and largely was wares and, and doing that stuff. And, yeah. you know, I think eventually my mom was really kind of freaked out when she realized, like, you know, I'm talking to... You know, People who knows who, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm a 10 year old with the <laughs> alias rum runner. And she's like, well, what's going on exactly? That's it was awesome. beyond her comprehension. <laughs> but I guess for me, you know, I guess it all started in, in 91, which is when the web came out and we had access to that at the university. But at the same time, I was um, actively uh, uh, a musician and following the Grateful Dead around and, yeah, and cool. just really got enamored with the, the concept of the social music aspect and community that, 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 that sort of was wrapped around what the Grateful Dead did in terms of bringing people together and sharing music and it was very social and, and this newfangled you know, web thing, I really started thinking those things colliding is really interesting. Hmm. And you know, stupidly in some ways, you know, I dropped out of university to try to pursue that, realizing, oh, well, I can't get the web outside of university anymore. Yeah. So now I have to wait a few <laughs> years. But that got me into desktop publishing and digital music production. And then in the mid-90s, you know, got back on proper in 94 and did a, a bunch of web stuff. But it was ahead of the time where you couldn't learn it. You'd have to teach yourself. So I was sort of growing up with that. And I really feel like growing up with the Internet, uh, that was a startup. You were constantly yeah. learning to do things. And it was constantly changing. The technology was changing. The browser was changing. There was JavaScript and yeah. DHTML. And, 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 and myself and all the people that were, we were basically breaking the Internet and just trying things. I mean, like, it's 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 kind of weird for me to look back like um, one of the sort of big things that I did first, which I didn't think at the time was I wanted to do drag and drop on a website, which yeah. hadn't been done before. And that was, I was, we did the first website that had drag and drop, which you think is crazy now. Um, but it was just, wasn't possible at the time. until you could just hack it with like a very, very early version of flash. Yeah. Nice. Um, but that led to being able to create this finally in like 10 years later, the idea of online music creation and launched the web's first version of that in about 2001, and that kind of allowed me to grow what was an agency business, doing a lot of stuff that you might do and, you know, building websites and, and doing interactive experiences to now, now I'd created a product that was somewhat of a platform and was building community around it. And that got itself tailored as soon as I had the privilege of having Steve Jobs demo it when he launched Safari, my life changed because wow. all of a sudden, you know, they don't tell you that's going to happen, but mm. all of a sudden you've got inbound coming from top global brands everywhere saying, oh, you can do this? Right. So we'll just do a big national marketing campaign with music. And so... I was kind of catapulted from running an agency and just hacking away building stuff to now being a thought leader on music, interactive music and entertainment stuff online. So uh, it was really interesting to kind of build that where you start picking up business development. How do I turn this into a licensing model? And you look at all the different ways you can kind of monetize these things. So it was to grow from a product to platforms to community was, you know, a really interesting thing. So there's a lot of learnings in that process. And through that process, got to speak a lot around the world and get in touch with a lot of other people. And it was a different time. Like everyone that was starting their own companies back then, which weren't startups, it was kind of the same thing. People were figuring out, well, I'm good as an animator or this thing, or I can build this thing online. So it's a different form of startup. But, yeah. you know, my agency kind of grew into that. And then and, and, and Loop Labs kind of formed, which is still something which uh, I probably spent a lot more attention to in the last year. I've been so caught up with what's going on here. But, I mean, I have an active community with, you know, you know, 
800,000 people and, and making music, nice. um, which sometimes I forget about because I get caught <laughs> up, especially now running the South Start thing. Um, but for me, it's what, it's always been about the, the connectivity and, and, and the connecting with people. And, and online creates such an opportunity to do that, which is equally my enjoyment with doing events like this, which are, which are offline. Yeah, 100%. That's an interesting time. I mean, int- it sounds like you're sort of ahead of the curve with some of the thought processes that were going on sort of early. I, don't, I mean, I think we, there's so many people that were just doing it. I mean, you, mm. just, you know, it was, I was very fortunate that I got kind of hung in with the whole the, uh, SF crew and was able to beta test a lot of Adobe and Macromedia Those software stuff. back in the day. So, I mean, I remember, I remember building, um, uh, it was called Tin Can at the time, but it was, it was basically screen sharing and audio video uh, communications before there was Skype. And I remember receiving an award where we built the actual, we built the technology to allow me to accept an award from San Francisco <laughs> at a time when, you know, we don't think, back then we were just yeah, doing yeah, cool yeah. stuff. I was tracking a, 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 a polar explorer with the satellite phones and a, and a compact iPack and, and doing crazy stuff. But it was just more like, oh, can we do it? Let's do it. It's fun. Just and no one really playing. thought that you might have been doing stuff. I mean, in many ways, the computer vision that we were doing like 15 years ago with Flash, like all that stuff's commonplace now, but it was just the first thing you could do. Um, so I don't think any of us really thought that we were ahead of the curve. We were just like, oh man, new toys. What does that mean? How could we do stuff? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's looking back, we go, Jesus, like, yeah, like a lot of my peers were doing incredible things. I think you're right. You touched on like the mindset of, of growing up with the internet, you know, alongside it every year that, you know, it, it, it was a different feeling, right? Like the processes, it, it, there was, there was a big jump from, you know, from 93 to 94 to 90, everything sort of kept changing. And it was like, what's new now? What can we do now? And it just felt sort of exponential what could get done and the amount of cool things that you could do with limited resources at that time too oh i mean just you think about like people that remember real audio was like what, yeah. what would be the new codec or whatever yeah. you could stream stuff on <laughs> and maybe no one could be able to do it but you would still do it and i remember creating some of the first uh streaming stuff way back in, in canada and um but I, it's very nostalgic for me because it's such a different time. We've come to a time now where it's just templates and WordPress. Yeah. And, and, like, the web was so creative back then. Like, people were just building, like, these crazy worlds of expression. And they were just these just rabbit holes of, of, of personality. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of that's been lost. And, I mean, I don't want to say it's sad. But I, I definitely look back on it. And I can get very nostalgic very quickly about just how amazing it was. People just building these amazing things whether mm. it's games or animations or but community whatever. was a big part of it right like i think it was huge yeah. the, the open source and all these yeah. all these design boards like like i think design is kinky you guys i mean i knew the, all those guys back then and it was uh, you know there was that sense of community whether it was k10k or these guys or PlayStation. There's all these groups of designers and technologists that were just building these forums and they were always connected and sharing stuff and it was yeah it was it was like an explosion of ideas and people were just riffing on it in the 45 degree angle and too advanced and it was everyone doing all these things and who was ripping who and but it was a constant growth like you were growing off each other and yeah it was a stimulation like oh this guy just figured out how to do that well how do we do that and Jump off one it. up it and not in a sense of competitiveness but like oh cool hadn't thought about that and people would make that code available the, the communities were very open like that so you saw an explosion of a lot of interesting ideas very very quickly and now when people are building stuff, it's A, everyone's recreating. I mean, listen, a lot of the early Flash experiments were copying what people in Amiga were doing 10 years earlier. Yeah. But to see JavaScript barely being able to do a lot of the stuff that was done with Flash, you see a lot of people doing the same thing, but it's not nearly, I don't feel as creative. And even when I do see it, I'm like, that's all the stuff that we did like 15, 20 years ago. Um, I don't see a lot of innovation in terms of experiential stuff overly. 
No, um, I don't think people are really trying to do it that much either. From our, I mean, from you know, an agency looking out, people don't want to put the money behind it. It seems as well, you know, from a you know, from a commercial point of view, that but that's some of the flash stuff that was getting done, you know, early two thousands was amazing. Late nineties, yeah. it was it was really cool. I mean, now we're seeing you're going to see that stuff with VR, right? Yeah, mixed reality. I mean, there's a new. Well, I mean, I mean, that's where you're seeing the most interesting creative stuff, I think, happening. The sad part is very few people can actually benefit from experiencing yeah. it. They'll watch a video of how it works. They're not going to slap on the headset and, and do it themselves. It. Yeah, yeah. So we have a ways to go with that. But yeah, certainly I think, you know, we've also grown up where, you know, cloud computing has allowed for businesses to grow. I mean, people were doing cool stuff, but everyone had an agency and were making money designing stuff. But when those $20,000 website, cool promotional stuff went away because a guy, you know, could just get WordPress and get, you know, someone to build that thing out for 500 bucks, Mm. uh, that changed that dynamic. So I think a lot of the creativity went away to a certain extent uh, or found different ways to, you know, put it into different things, but people could build businesses now, right? You could build SaaS stuff. You could build things that could scale. So you didn't have, you know, in 2001, there weren't startups really. There really wasn't a thing uh, the same way that it is now. So I think you've seen sort of a morphing of that generation into now building businesses is the equivalent, but with a lot less of the sexiness, I think. Yeah, but I suppose that I mean that platform was kind of built that allowed the framework, so you can actually do that, right? So oh, you can actually sure. build, you know, a, a SaaS product fairly cheaply to begin with, anyway, or at least the sort of foundation of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it comes down to yeah, some of those things like actually building communities or having conversations or actually, you know, because there's there's a lot of he looked through you know SaaS products and it's just it's great, you know, if you look at project management software or something, it's, you know, Basecamp's a great story, mm-hmm. but you look at where that's gone now, obviously, you know, Atlassian, but there's you know it's such a saturated market, like how do you cut through? that what do, what do you do yeah i mean, I mean is, it, is it even necessary well i mean it's interesting i mean you know listen the, the times i mean i think with the fact that you know i started my company before there was google which when i talk to young people now they're like what, what? before google <laughs> um and and doing all this stuff before there was social media and i mean that social media uh, mobile computing you know all these things have changed i mean we're moving into spatial computing right i think that's the next layer to all this stuff and yeah yeah it's just Ah, you know, now I'm thinking of the past and the future at the same time. It hurts my brain, but it's, it's, I wish there was more people because I grew up in the time, and I guess we all kind of grew up somewhere in that time where we're kind of like the last bastion of, of people that have an understanding of, of, of analog. Yeah. You know what I mean? We grew up as kids before there really was computers for some of us, certainly before there was internet and we have an understanding of things. And we now have grown up through this process and we're here talking with and working with and mentoring people that never understood the beforehand where mm. I feel there's a real responsibility for people that have that to try to pass on that that creative energy that storytelling element that imagination because imagination it's just there's there's so much consumption now that there's a lot less I think personally uh, creativity there's there's room for a lot more creativity because that consumption is, is just sapped a lot of the imagination for a and lot you, of people do you think it's space though there's just not enough space for people to actually you know be imaginative be creative because there is just so much you know consumption and you sort of just pounded with you know so much input all the time actually having the, the the space to think and well that's the problem is that these things are addictive yeah and, and it, it'll, it'll come out in 10 years we'll go wow what they, did we what but, did we do they are addictive right well 100 like, percent. i mean it's just it's just it's a dope dopamine machine yeah. and i think I think uh, I think we're going to come to regret it. I think some people come to re- regret it already, but it's yeah. certainly. I mean, listen. They, people always show you. Well, look back in the day when everyone was on the trains and they all had yeah, papers, papers, and yeah, yeah, sure. you know. And I get it, but 
it's not the same because people so. weren't looking for validation. People are pretending to be someone that they're not to get likes from people that they don't even know, yeah. thinking that that's an element of self-worth. I mean, when you hear stories about the amount of time that goes behind some of these Instagram influencers' shots, and you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's dangerous. And I think, I think it's tough when, as kids, you know, we had role models we looked up to that were actually kind of doing things. And now you've got kids. I mean, and I have spent a lot of time in the music industry, and I know what's going on. All these videos, everything's rent. It's it's the it's it's, yeah. it's you know it's the guy from the record company's house. He's you know he's letting people use it. They're all renting these cars. They're throwing money up in the air, and kids are thinking, oh, I want that, not realizing that all the people you're looking at are so in debt, yeah. and they're going to be so like sad and depressed in about five to ten years when it all washes up. But then kids are then trying to go down this path that's just smoke and mirrors. And that was when it was on MTV or on, on mainstream media. Yeah. Now kids are picking up their phone and seeing it from people that are not from a machine that's creating that. These are from individuals that are sort of stuck in this pattern of creating it. And that feedback loop has a, 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 a sad ending, I think. And I think so. And the pressure on them, I think, to, to it is, I think, if you think back looking at, you know, watching MTV as a kid, like there was that kind of. There was there was a there was a reality gap there, right? Like you, you kind of knew that it was. Yeah. A, a you're not going to be Michael Jackson. It's like Hollywood, right? Like you kind of you're not going to be Bruce Willis, right? Yeah. There's a there's a gap that you, you might aspire to it, but it's not it's not like someone that you that you see sort of down the block that's got ten thousand followers or a thousand, whatever it is. There's just that sort of peer pressure to have more, and there is this sort of yeah projection of something that you know, there really isn't there. Right. But some people are doing well from it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's sure. a strange world. Yeah, and I mean, just the peer pressure involved with it. I mean, the fact that you know you hear about kids where it's like, oh, I didn't get enough likes in the first five minutes, I'm yeah. gonna take it down. It's just crazy, and it's just it's what it's doing to people's self worth. And 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 again, going back to that mindset, it's it's not helpful to someone that needs to create and to build things. I mean, the imagination yeah. comes from turning that thing off yeah. and not using it. But it's just so hard to even be relevant inside your peer group if you're a young person if you're not on it. People will think you're some weirdo. Yeah. I mean, truly, people will be like, what's wrong with you? Or yeah. you'll feel disconnected from your peers by doing what's most natural. Uh, that's That, to me, is the part I, you know, I've got young children and, you know, thinking about how they're going to grow up with it and how we're going to go through their growth with regards to their relationship with technology. It's it's something I, I think about a lot because mm. I think it's a, it's a, it's something if, you, if you're not careful and you don't monitor it because, you know, when I grew up, yes, the TV was the babysitter, right? I put them in front of the TV and you watch Sesame Street or whatever. Like, again, there was how many channels? There wasn't much there. Yeah. But now it's like all of a sudden, you know, you let your kid watch YouTube and they go down some channel where now they're watching that crazy, perverse, weirdo, you know, YouTube Peppa Pig stuff. And you're yeah. like, holy crap, what the, how did you get on this thing? Yeah. And, and, they're, and they're, you know, or they see kids that are unwrapping these things, you know, thinking, I want to be like this kid that's opened up surprise eggs, yeah. you know. And you think about that poor kid who's got $100,000 of product being shipped there, and all they're oh, doing man. is thinking it's normal to have every single toy in the universe. Yeah. And they just think it's great. But, like, it's, man, it's what's going to happen to that kid? really interesting watching what kids are watching because, I mean, some of the stuff is crazy, right? Yeah. Like how, how, is, how is this blowing up? How is this have 100 yeah. million views? And like, I've what? got a five-year-old. And I'm, yeah. seeing, I'm seeing, you know, them mimic some of this stuff mm. and thinking that somehow, you know, being like that or talking like that. And there's, there's little you can do because it's so out there. I mean, we're certainly cognizant of, of, of the time spent. But... There's a lot of parents, I mean, listen, I was in New York where I was seeing, you know, two-year-olds just being pushed in Australia with iPads all the time, yeah, like yeah, just yeah. going, this is so weird. You know, you got dogs dressed up as humans and you got kids <laughs> on iPads at two years old. I mean, it was really, you know, far out there. Yeah. But it's still, the saddest part for me when we talk about that is when it's, when it's actually not 
just the child, but it's generational. And you see a family at a dinner and they all have their phones and they're not even communicating. Yeah. And that to me, that is probably one of the saddest things when I see the, the effect of technology, because you're seeing, you're seeing the family unit getting deconstructed through this because everyone's falling prey to the same thing. And I think there's, I mean, looking back, thinking back to those early days of the internet when I was on anyway, probably a little bit after you, sort of mid nineties, the late nineties, but there was, I think the anonymity then, there were, there were communities and you sort of get involved and in, I don't know, it felt more of kind of a, a collective, right? Mm-hmm. Than, than just taking part in sort of a, you know, a show and tell, which is kind of what it feels like now. But there's elements of community, but, you know, we have these gr- amazing communities, seven, you know, three quarters of Australia is on Facebook, but a lot of it is just a projection as opposed to actually let's connect and, and talk about something interesting. Well, I think the times that we're referring to, there, there was, it was very hard to find things to consume. Yeah. So people were forced to have to create their own content yeah. because there wasn't there. Now there's just so much. And even though the barriers have gone down, I mean, listen, I'm creating a tool to democratize music creation, which is one of the last forms of media to become easy. Yeah. Um, but still a lot of people don't use it. But that, a lot of that's because they rely on uh, photography and video and that's hardware. That's pressing one button and capturing it and then maybe letting some yeah, sure. AI cut it up. So there's, there's, there's not um, a lot of work because even video people are spending less and less time. Yeah. You know, they want to just get it out to market because it's about getting out there first and getting those likes and getting those shares and going viral or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, it's in, I, I come from a photography background. And I, when Instagram came out, I was just like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not into this. I, and Flick, the Flickr community was great. So I was a big part of that, you know, early yeah, stages. Sure. And, and, but it was a real, it wasn't that kind of just a put up a post and see how many likes you can get. There was, you know, there was a lot no. of feedback and there was a lot of discussion around, there's great forums around lighting and, you know, all these, all these different communities where, you know, it felt like, and we'd have meetups and stuff where it felt like, oh, great, this is actually an active community where everyone's buoying each other up. Um, and then Instagram, well, initially, I, I like it now and use it all the time, but it felt just like a, I don't know, just a, a cheap way to you know, achieve the same results as going out and actually composing something and lighting something and thinking about how are you going to you know, frame it or whatever it might be. Right. Well, I think you know, when you look at Flickr and Instagram, I think one of the things that happened in between there was probably Twitter was probably the, the, the most influential thing in the middle where it was like, what am I doing? Right. Yeah. And, and that changed yeah, okay. the context. So I, you know, I think about like Snapchat and I think about these, these tools where it's... Um, it's a transient thing where people are using the media as a form of communication. It's yeah. not an art form anymore. I mean, it is for some it, it people, be, certainly. Yeah, it, 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 don't want to take it away, yeah. but certainly more and more people, you know, I'm taking a picture of my food and my dog. I'm telling you what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm using it as a snapshot into my life. And now you got the 3D stuff. you got the, the VR stuff. More and more, you're going to be seeing other environments. So what we used to look solely as an artistic form, mm. largely, has now been sort of turn into a, a, a weird linguistic tool that happens to be visual yeah. the same way you're seeing emojis being used more than, than in, in text and it's it's weird it's like we're going back to hieroglyphs and and sort of this yeah. new way of communicating <laughs> where it's, it's limiting uh the written word it's like so i think about the effect on storytelling because that that art is kind of going away and being simplified to some degree mm. um i mean that, that's fine that's, that's part of the process certainly um but that also leaves tons of room for the people that choose to really look at it as an art form still because there'll be less and less people that are focused on it as art versus yeah. communication. If you think about, you know, daily stories or Snapchat, like as a as an artistic, you know, medium, it's it's an amazing tool, right? Mm-hmm. The, the stuff you can do is incredible. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that there's not more people, I suppose, using it as that kind of and there are lots of them doing it, but it just becomes that kind of yeah, you know, it's just a, it's a mirror almost, isn't it? It's like here's you know, here's here's my day. 
yeah. um, when we sit there kind of watching other people's days in a kind of a day, it's, 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 it is strange. It is strange. It, is. It, it really is strange. I mean, you know, you think, you know, I always, when I watch people and I see them, you know, just that their thumbs are moving all the way on the tram on the way down here. Yeah. I'm always wondering, what are you actually going through? Yeah. You know, A, what platform are you on? I'm wondering, but I'm also thinking, but you're also, you're constantly scrolling too. And it's, it's, that, it's the infinite scroll. And it, that, that is, that's the hook, right? It's like, well, what could be next? What could be what next? What could be next, yeah. But never stopping to see what's happening yeah. now there. And that's the that's the interesting I think behavior that you see is just this endless hole and and people just don't know how to get out of it because there's enough dopamine that you can yeah. keep doing it and you go wow that was like 40 minutes and I didn't do anything yeah it's powerful like I'll, I'll find an article I want to read jump into it and there's that nagging thing in the back of your head like oh what am I missing out on here like well you know it's, it's hard to sort of get out of the, the the habit yeah and I you know it's difficult I think. I'm trying to come to that that person I mean, because I haven't had a, I haven't had a television for about 20 years, so that was one of the first things to go. Nice. Um, certainly, internet's a part of it, but more and more you come to realize that anything of consequence, you'll find out someone will mention it in a conversation because yeah, they'll want to say, "Do you see this? Whatever? Or yeah. do you hear about this thing?" So you can kind of avoid a lot of that. But um, in many ways, you yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 it's, 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 it's we're, we're, I mean, it's just one of those fascinating. I mean. I consider myself to be like truly born at the wrong time. I think I should have been born in the sixties. I feel like I'm a super hippie, like inside of me. But I think about, you know, this, this great, uh, you know, they talked about the the age of Aquarius Mm. or the Mayans talked about the great shift. Yeah. And, you know, to me, I keep thinking we are living through it. I don't, but I don't think people look at it as like that shift is analog to digital. Yeah. And that happens once there is no real super digital, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's binary. It's not. And we, we, we're the people that went, pre-binary kind of to binary and only certain people have that but that's like a that's a massive change and there's no going back unless you know there's just a wipeout of all technology mm. so we're going through that change and i think it's it's a tough one for a species to go through because i don't think anyone knows what the impact is because yeah. when everything's copy paste i mean it it things change very very quickly i mean, I mean the, but now the rabbit hole of like deep fakes and like what's going on like never mind fake news i mean i mean it's i it's ironic when you hear that mentioned in the press but when you're coming from a technology technology perspective looking at what's happening you're like people don't even understand like my parents like, they have no understanding what's really going on and the fact that everything is pretty much now at the point of being completely faked where no person can actually vet out whether that was yeah, real or not that's right and that is part of my french fucking scary yeah. because now no one actually can know and you can't turn back from that what do you do when you just don't know anymore? Yeah. And now someone posts a video of me saying this thing. Yeah. Or this podcast has me saying something completely different. Mm. Oh, we'll do that after. But. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, the, um, but, and, and I think that, you know, critical faculties to actually even think about something is potentially, but, you know, you, you watch how people scroll through a news feed and they see a headline and regardless of whether or not they buy into it or not, that's kind of, they, you know, that's what they think then. Okay, well, I, saw, I saw that once. So there's really not that kind of investigation into you know, whatever it might be. Oh yeah. They just assume that I saw it and yeah. it got a bunch of likes and it must, that's why you, once in a while you'll see the people that post that thing and then you, you actually click on the story, yeah, the story like, will be like, yeah, Hey, yeah. this is actually nothing to do with what this thing's about. So yeah. anyone who actually did say they liked it, this is about the opposite. Mm. And like it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's really interesting because it, the acceptance for what no one's spending the time to research anything on their own. No. Like I, you know, I was telling a story the other day where, you know, what kind of got me on my own kind of, uh, rabbit hole of thinking was, you know, in Canada, uh, we have uh, a 
huge tax on on beer on alcohol yeah when, yeah, I, sure, when yeah. I was 18 or so I, I just started thinking to myself geez you know what if there was an agent in this thing that made it somewhat addictive because there's so much tax that the government's just getting people hooked enough that this thing makes a lot of money mm. so you'd look at the bottle of beer and you go oh there's no ingredients on this so i would start phoning these companies and saying hey yeah, can right. you tell me what's what the ingredients are and I could get us so as far as like, well, it's a secret. We're not going to tell you. I'm like, that's great. But like, I got a Coca-Cola here and they've got ingredients on here. Yeah. So how come you don't? Blah, blah, blah. People wouldn't start answering. Then you would finally go to the library. You'd pick up a book. You'd find the Food and Drug Act and you go, oh, wow. The only thing that's allowed not to do it happens to be alcohol. Interesting. So you start thinking, this it. is really weird, right? Mm. Or maybe it's not weird, but you start thinking it's possible. Um, but it took a lot of work and effort to do yeah. that. And now, even though things are so much easier to technically look up, people aren't even taking the time to do it. They're, they're accepting the first thing that they see. Yeah. And so that's a dangerous thing. Like the, the, the art of discourse, of, of, of just logic you know, in general, yeah. is, not, is not being honored. And I, and I think that's a somewhat, again, not to be pessimistic on, the, on this whole thing, but these are things that we have to be cautious of and be thinking about because when we're not looking to get proper information and we're just accepting whatever it is, because it gives us a dopamine hit for saying I agree with it. And plus the whole echo chamber thing, right, that we're all living in. It's just a... I think that the shame of it is that if you want to go out and get, you know, incredible... You know, you are saying before about reading the advertiser and not sort of getting a worldview, but at our fingertips is this incredibly rich, you know, worldview that we can have. We can can look at all aspects of things. You can do research that would have taken, you know, years in in, in days now, but... Yeah, I think the the drive to do it doesn't seem to be there, and the you know the shiny shiny is just kind of glossed over the fact that we actually do have these incredible networks and tools at our fingertips. Mm. But there's lots of cool people doing interesting stuff, and I suppose looking past that as well. I mean, I'd be curious, you know, as as someone that is Australian, mm. what 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 do you see as sort of the last last decade or so? What are the big trends that you see happening with regards to technology having a role on, on culture here? Going forward from here? Uh, or in the last 10 years up to here? And I mean, is there a, a trend that you see that you observe sort of being here that, that that's happening? That It was interesting for me because I'd been in the UK for five years. So mm-hmm. I've been working in web in, in London and, and like e-commerce was kind of a big thing there, right? So watching that kind of you know spread and Amazon coming and the, the high streets sort of be transformed in terms of how people were consuming and then coming back here and seeing you know, none of it. It felt like we were, I don't know, at least six or seven years behind the, right. the eight ball here in Australia. And I think in general, that's sort of how it's been. I think we, we have been a bit slow to catch up from a technological standpoint anyway, especially, especially on the internet. And it's funny, it's, it's like, when I see a lot of stuff happening on the East Coast, like a lot of people picked up game on like building business off Instagram. Yeah. A lot of people and they're smashing it. And I've been really curious to understand why it's just pretty close and people are killing it a lot of people i mean selling you know physical goods online through instagram and there's probably outside of 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 what toby and kayla doing with sweat there's almost no one here that's embraced i mean very few people i think understand social media here i mean it's a very defensive stance there's not a lot of people that understand how to utilize it and it's just curious because you've got people (laughs) stayed over there just like killing it i don't know why some of that stuff doesn't get that, that. That to me is curious. Why people haven't taken on those leanings and, and found ways to to build bigger businesses here off the backbone of the. It was interesting. My my mum came to me yesterday and asked me about drop shipping. Her hairdresser had been running some drop shipping with some like hairdressing awesome. stuff. Yeah, she's like, tell me about drop shipping. How can yeah. I get into that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, if yeah. it, there you go. And there's yeah. someone in a different generation. Yeah, that's right. 
but but still, I, I, there's not a lot of examples you can point to here of the people that are, are building businesses off it. No, and, and it's interesting to me because it, it is happening in the country more so than Canada or I mean, even the. I mean, there's a lot of people. Like Melbourne City, there's a lot of people that have found out how to you know kill it on 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 Instagram. But yeah, I don't know why it's not here. It's just maybe it's just part of the the, the tech stack. I, yeah, here I think it's. Oh, I think it's also part of the. I don't know if it's just part of the ecosystem or the culture, but there, maybe there isn't the people that are pushing it. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, who's speaking at Southstar? What's uh, what's some of the people we can look forward to? Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch that'll be announced soon. But I mean, certainly, um, you know, I think a big part of it is to try to bring a lot of diversity to the mix. So, you know, really excited to bring you know someone like Cameron from Camera over here to talk about you know how you scale a business um, that's very consumer facing. You know, yeah. to, to a billion dollar company. Um, but a lot of it, you know, I see the opportunity to focus on, you know, the strengths and the capabilities here. So to have conversations, you know, about artificial intelligence and, and whether you're having people like Matt at Complexica, who's done incredible things that you don't hear a whole lot about, wins some great awards, but just a brilliant individual that, that's really an entrepreneur that just happens to use the technology to do it. Um, excited to bring a lot of the conversation about, I mean, listen, there's a lot of, you know, even even in the in the SaaS space, I mean, beyond you know, I mean, you got the biggest fitness app in the world here. You got companies like like Fleet and Miriota that are that are building uh, IoT platforms from here that are likely going to dominate you know sort of in the future. You've got, um, uh, I mean, the cyber stuff. I mean, an important part of the curation process is bringing a, a lot of these different voices. So, uh, you know. I'm not sure when this podcast goes out. You want to tell me quickly when oh, it goes? Put it out next week, I think. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. but I mean, you know, like to, to have the voices of, 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 of deep technology. So we've got a company called Soul Machines from New, New, New Zealand coming over, which is just incredible, like mind-blowing technology. Like I don't think there's anyone else in the world looking at AI the way that they're doing it. Cool. I mean, they're building basically virtual, you know, humans where there's a bio neurological underpinning of how these things operate on top of the NLP layers and on top of the, the machine learning layers. I think that's fascinating, but just as fascinating is to share stories about companies like rising sun pictures that sure. doesn't get talked a lot about, but world leading stuff or a yeah. guy like Paul Vasilev, who's, you know, building fairy tale dresses, you know, he's building an international couture business from Adelaide and choosing to do so. And I think those stories are just as important about talking about someone that's killing it in artificial intelligence or new space tech, because it's about the journey. I think it's about getting as many of the stories that talk about the journey of an entrepreneur, having a vision, going through it and choosing to stay here to build it. Like, yeah, that's one of the things I, I really hope to try to highlight through through these companies, because I think people need to hear more about the great things here and also hear the voices of people that they don't hear a lot from talk about why it's amazing here or you've got someone like lewis horn who's doing amazing things with regards to electric vehicles here you got an australian guy that that went off to sweden and is now building this amazing thing but would love to you know do the manufacturing here and like that's an interesting story because you've got you've got traditional manufacturing and holding going down and now you've got the possibility of 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 repackaging the idea into uh, you know transportation of the future but you know thinking about can we manufacture that here and 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 focus on the APAC region, which is where these things likely are going to exist. So, I mean, it's just all over the map. I mean, we're just super excited, whether it's astronauts, whether it's fashion people, whether it's people doing SaaS, whether it's uh, artificial intelligence. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like all over the map. But I think the the thread that runs through it all is really about 
the capabilities that exist both here in South Australia and Australia yeah. and sharing those stories and connecting the people. I mean, the, the one thing for me that would be the biggest win is just to get all the people that uh, have been kind of hiding and doing their own thing, getting them all out, whether they're going to be on stage or in the crowd. It's about getting them together and making sure that they have an opportunity to see who everyone is, have conversations, and just start coming together and breaking down whatever silos may exist between industries, be- between um, communities. Because ultimately, it's like it's, everyone's got to be all in for this thing to be a success here. And I think if that happens, that's, that's the biggest win. But more, more so, a shift in that mindset we talked about where yeah. there's a sense of getting young people to see, geez, you know, there is investment here. There are amazing mentors and people to look up to here. There are amazing technologies and not be thinking that they have to go somewhere else because they truly don't. I think a lot of it's just this idea that you have to. And, and certainly there's a poaching and stuff that happens with talent. Sure. But I think if people come together and reinforce and, and collaborate together, then more great things can happen here where the people will say, we should stay here and we should make this an amazing place and we should tell people about it. Now, maybe eventually people will be like, ah, I don't want to change you know, South Australia because it's so amazing. I want to give it away. And, but yeah. um, there's just so much great stuff. I think if we can just shine a light on it and provide opportunity for people to connect with those people doing great things, that, that great things will come from that. I think it's really exciting. I think when uh, like we listened to Flavia talk, um, actually did an event down here, but you hear some of these stories about what, you know, what people are doing locally. It's like, wow. And it, it just, I don't know, it kind of just gets you thinking, right? It's, just, it's exciting. And, and, and lots of people that, you know, to me, some of the really interesting stories of the people also like that are not from here. I mean, someone like Flavia that, that's here now yeah. but is saying, we, this is amazing and, and, and talking about it. Or you got someone like uh, Anthony at Sign. Or here's a guy that likewise went to London, yeah. did amazing things, selling companies for hundreds and hundreds of millions dollars coming back here starting a new company and choosing to stay here and build a global international business i mean these are things that that we need to talk more about i mean the fact that people have seen the world have done amazing things and are choosing to come here and stay here and build a company that's you need to listen to that there's a reason they're doing that and then they have worldly experience and i think if we can get some of that message i mean even guy like moan ku i mean a cyber guy that you know built something that was way ahead of its time probably locally and had to go out to america to build a, a massive company He's come back here, and now he's, you know, uh, th- these are the stories I think I, I want to try to have people hear because you don't hear a lot of them no. uh, at, at the local pub or these co-working places because they're not there. They're doing this stuff. So if we can kind yeah, of sort of tease those stories out, maybe people go. And I think the most exciting thing is if, if we can really create an event that is inspiring and brings these people together. I want interstate people to come here, and I want people from here hear them say, man, this is amazing. Like, what's in the water here? Because yeah. maybe people be like, Oh shit! Yeah, you know what? Things are amazing here because sometimes there's a bit of validation needed from people here. Yeah. So if we can bring people here, saying, "Man, this is cracking! What's going on here?" Maybe people will say, "Maybe we should live up to it." Because I always look at the fact that Adelaide's—if you put Adelaide in the states, it's number ten behind Dallas. Yeah. Think about that for a second, because people are happy to call it the pokey little town, right? And the yeah. people say, "What do you think we're a little town?" I'm like, "Man, it's a city." Yes, you don't have some of the stuff a city has, but you, you got to also get your head around the fact that. You are not a town. And I think, I mean, it, it's interesting, I think, that it takes sometimes outsiders or people that have gone out and then come back to really appreciate what we do have here. I was talking to a woman last week at a, a conference um, from the Napa Valley in the wine industry. Um, she does some stuff around direct-to-consumer marketing in the wine industry, but she was, you know, went from McLaren Vale and Barossa and was just like, this is, this is incredible. Like, this is, uh, I wish we had this here and, and the community around it. So I think, yeah, I think coming in here and, and bringing people from overseas and interstate that get excited and go, wow, well, you guys are lucky, um, you know, 
it's incredible what you have to work with. Yeah, I mean, I think we're really trying to position this as a real showcase for South Australia. I mean, you know, one of the things we want to make sure that we do is that, that you know, these 30 plus speakers, this is all single track. This yeah. is not multiple stuff because I want people to hear the same stories, to be able to have the same conversations and mm. discussions after that. And, you know, we're taking over Peel Street. We're going to rebrand it, start up alley and have a street party. Like that's open to the public. Like we want everyone to come down and we want to show off an amazing precinct that you can't do that in Sydney. You can't kind of throw down, yeah. have a band in the street, you know, throw down music and just kind of uh, entertain yourselves like that. So we should be showcasing that as much as we're doing the technology. And I think if we can showcase and highlight all that stuff, it's just that sense of pride. I want, I want a platform where people can feel good about, not bragging, right, but beating the chest because there is amazing things here and we need people to know about it. And I think just equally, it's good for people here to also get a sense that people not from here are appreciative and yeah. going, man, you really got something. You don't realize what you got, but it's good. You know, make it work. No, right. I think that's exciting. Oh, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to, you know, capture as many of these conversations because I think we're going to pull and tease out a lot of people from around the world yeah. just giving us amazing insight into what they see is unique here. And I think if we can put that together really special, yeah. into, uh, you know, a narrative, again, that storytelling, what is the story we're telling? I mean, it's, it's, we need to create that and not, it's our goal with South Star or anything to, to create that. But I think, we'll tease it out, I think, I think just, see to, where it just goes. to see where it goes. Yeah. yeah. And the more conversations we have and the more that we embed that, uh, I think it, it'll, just, it'll help us grow and, and, and figure out, you know, where the place in the world South Australia should be or is or could be. It's exciting. Cheers yeah. for coming down, man. No, it was awesome, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Sometimes. Thank you. Cheers.